0: Howdy, howdy, howdy. I God, what a terrible start. Uh, this is Pete, obviously. Welcome back to Podside. And I am joined here by a slightly embarrassed Carlo. How's it going, man?
1: <laughs> I'm a rootin' tootin' co-host. <laughs> <laughs> howdy, Parker! <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: know where that came from. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, it's fine, man. I, I just found it funny because, like, uh, I don't remember where I read this or heard this, but apparently... Um for online greetings. Uh it's it's sort of weird, right? Uh howdy comes across as more friendly. That that was what I read anyway. I don't know how true that is, but uh I, I actually sort of took that to heart for a while and it it it's fine. Hi I will love- also say fun and will work fine too.
0: Okay, yeah. Hi everybody. There we go. <laughs> Either way. Um <laughs> so uh I originally proposed this episode on the theory that it would tie into the, the the crap book series, but I've got a problem with that in that I don't think it's a crap book. Um, I think the, the writer in question is at minimum serviceable, and um, honestly, I think she's a lot better than that, and I should probably drop some names here. Um, we are going to be talking today about... Barbara Hambly in general and Dragon's Bane in particular, um, a, an author and book close to my heart. And I believe new to Carlo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. I, I would, I would probably say that, um, this could be, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, the, the, the crap books moniker is of course done with love. It is not necessarily in a, an, an indictment of all the books that we've read because, you know, uh, like even the stuff that I sort of grown at now, like uh, I think about and go like, well, shit, that had a good bit in it. And this, you know, it's it's always funny to me uh, to revisit like older books and go like, well, this is really clunky. This doesn't work. This is very much, you know, like a product. And then, you know, the authors or, or author or authors will turn on a dime and give you like an, an emotive beat. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm I'm actually moved by that. Uh, so uh, it, it's always interesting when, when, uh, that type of thing happens because it can always be mixed. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that you're correct. I think that this is a very competently, uh, and well thought out, uh, type of book of a certain type. This, when was the, um, this came out, what is it in 1985, Yeah. 1985. So it does feel very much of uh, that time period where I definitely got that. And let me be upfront here. I, 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 read the audiobook right so the audiobook offers a some context clues that perhaps weren't in the written word uh sure. and all the in all the uh, narration is sort of like weirdly like uh john sounds somewhat scottish <laughs> jenny yeah. sounds sounds neutral uh and Gareth sounds somewhat more cultural like more of a cultured sort of British accent of some sort
0: yeah I mean think think like uh birdie and Wooster, pompous ass
1: right right and i i i did like uh if we're gonna do like a brief overview of the characters, I did like that dynamic a lot uh uh the the fact that there is some and it didn't feel like banter, it just felt like just the type of shit that you'd like. John is continually giving shit to Gareth uh, you know, and Gareth is just like weirdly bewildered and wounded about certain things. But you know uh, we we can get into like the, the particulars of, of why he comes across the way he does uh, in a bit, but it, it, it is interesting to see those interactions and not have it be like banter, you know, trademarked banter or, you know, weedonistic quips uh so that was very refreshing
0: um uh, shall i describe the world real quick then go for it okay so in in this world we've got uh think of sort of like a, a holy roman empire to roman empire vibe going on where you've got a very large empire spread over a large area but based upon a king um Where there's a northern territory, a northern section of the nation that they have rolled back from. This empire is in decline. And a great deal of the action and two of the three main characters come from the area in decline. Uh, We have John Averson, and John is the lord of this realm. He's still loyal to the king back in the middle of nowhere, but I mean, like far away, but he's getting no support. He's basically uh, one of a few people under arms there protecting a bunch of tiny villages from from bandits and uh, problematic me winks and all of this other stuff. He's basically sort of the, the lone hero of the, the harshest uh, realm possible. Like the world has moved on to use a kingism. Uh-huh. Um Then we have, Oh my God. Uh, Jen, Jenny, Jenny Waynest. I lost her name for a second. Who is uh, John's, uh, lover or common law wife. Um, she is a mage and that makes the relationship really difficult because in, uh, her mages tradition says that like, she needs to spend all of her time studying to develop her powers, to grow as a person, all of this stuff. And like getting married, becoming involved with other people, uh, paying any attention to the world at all, when you could be hitting the books is a very bad idea. Uh, add on top of that that they're in like a like a, a middle age Mad Max situation where everything is constantly under t- under t- under attack and constant danger. Like her attention is split twenty ways. So while she is a mage, she she considers herself a crappy one because she also has to be a great halberdier and she's a she's a husband, a wife, and a mom and blah 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 blah. Right. Um,
1: right. Well, and she's also like a, yeah, like a mom. She has like two kids by John, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they live apart, uh, though they're still involved. And the, the kids live with John and she has like a private retreat to study it, added stuff. But the dynamic of that is that 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 John is the one who who has to lay the law down. And she she's the one that, you know, they 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 run to for treats and fun. <laughs> um I you know that that's probably weirdly specific for our discussion i i'm I'm all over the map here um so Gareth shows up um Gareth is from the advanced part of the realm that is boned um it's being attacked by an enormous ancient dragon and um there's a there's a rebellion going on at the same time, everything's falling apart, and he goes up to uh beg John to go de- go to the main part of the realm and kill the dragon because he's killed a dragon in the past he's the only living dragon Spain, and you know there, there are stories about it and stuff so they're trying to drag him down and the natural reaction from John here is fuck you i'm holding my 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 primitive portion of the kingdom together and if i leave that's it there's nobody to protect all of this stuff
1: <laughs> right yeah,
0: am I just telling the story now? What am I going to do here, dude?
1: Uh, I mean, we could just get into the story a little bit. Um... Okay.
0: Well, uh, so uh, the 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 pitch Gareth makes is that the king will re-embrace this portion of the realm, send troops, send books, send I don't know merchants that sell like like fishhooks and pots and whatever else is necessary, and like bring it back into the body proper. If he'll just go down and kill this dragon.
1: Well, and, and he's, uh, he's known as the dragon's Bane because he'd mm-hmm. actually killed one dragon before.
0: Right. Right. Uh, a little one, but whatever. Right. Um, well, so yeah. the-
1: <laughs> he, he seems qualified <laughs> at least. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: so uh, uh, about a quarter of the book, I don't know, maybe a third is their journey from, is the introduction of the, the, of Gareth to them and the journey to, uh, to the, the Southlands to go and face the dragon. And I mean, like Gareth at this point is charming, but he sucks. Like he doesn't really understand what's going on. He questions everything. His entire worldview is based upon all the ballads that he's read.
1: Yeah. And, that's, that was, I found that to be really um, an interesting way of conveying, like just how immature Gareth is.
0: Yes. Uh, he, he's a, he's a baby man.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 he he's actually like like you said he it's the equivalent of like having uh like a character show up who is a fish out of water character but is convinced uh that they're actually the hero. Uh but right. they're but they're also going off of like what they've seen in movies. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a last action hero vibe.
1: Yeah. Also a Jack Burton vibe.
0: <laughs> yes. Nice. So, yeah, I and so like basically uh yeah, Jenny and John are doing all of this crazy stuff to keep them alive like on this like they're they're going through wilderness. There's no roads basically going to to the main realm. Uh Gareth got there by boat and it's the wrong season so they've they've basically got to go through like tundra and forest that's filled with bandits. And do we talk about the me winks or let them go?
1: Let, uh, let's talk about the me because that, that was one area that sort of stood out to me and it, I don't know that it added anything and it didn't, it felt a little tacked on to me, but, but I, go I, ahead.
0: I didn't like it uh at any the the theory here is that as the realm became um isolated from civilization there were a certain port of, portion of people that just sort of went off into the woods and um uh like like they they still have homes and pots and pans and stuff but they're they're cannibals they don't like they're they're basically uh um uh, ozark mountain people who are also cannibals who, well, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I think that that's exactly what I, like, as I was reading it, I was like thinking about like that old study, uh, that, that, uh, sort of, uh was was what um Lovecraft himself used to sort of uh, draw upon uh like how people like the eugenics aspects uh the more problematic ones about you know like what the mouth people would be like and stuff like that where it's basically like this weird um somehow because they they're isolated uh and they they're you know because they're isolated they're obviously inbred and then obviously they're also becoming degenerate Uh, and the, the me wink name in and of itself is such a strange one because it, what it evokes the, the, the word itself, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, it's a, like a made up word sounds fanciful, whimsical, even.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like the, 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 the fairy folk kind of thing. Oh, it's the me winks. It's like, well, no, they're, they're, they're cannibals. Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: And I, (sighs) So there's this entire sequence where um so there's uh to 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 maybe establish that a little bit. they're going through that area of like the forests and it's sort of like a marshland or or a swamp uh they're sort of skirting it or trying to to navigate through it and gareth uh stops John from just killing one of the mewinks outright, which uh later on we obviously we were we're told that John was right in just exterminating them on site. And it's like, mm. <laughs> rethink this King.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, 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 it's uh, you know, we're all a product of our, our, environment and he is having to murder people all the time. And there's, there's a history of cannibalism here. So like, I'm not, I'm not saying it wouldn't necessarily have to be done, but I am saying that the, the immediate murder without, like, like it's pretty fucked up.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that the, the issue that I have, and it's, it's, it's an issue that, uh, is, is becoming more, it, it's coming more to the forefront now, uh, in some of the conversations. I don't know if it's, it's always been in, in th- sort of the current of fantasy writing, um, where like, for instance, uh, just to, to. Perhaps expand a little bit and uh, go outward, like uh, Wizards of the Coast was trying to redo, like uh, the orcs, because basically Gary Gygax just lifted the orcs directly from Tolkien uh, or Tolkien, however you say it, and plopped them into another context. Uh, and granted, you know, like uh, you know, the, the Tolkien had a certain cosmology. Like, there was a reason that the orcs were, were evil, and he had, like, his, this overarching concept of that they were corrupted elves or what have you, right? And that's why they were evil. They'd been sort of corrupted by the, the forces of, of uh, dissonance and discordance in, in Middle-earth. To take that without that context and just have them have, well, they have an evil god, and that's why they're, that's why they're evil, um, you know, and just plop them anywhere and they are default They are default and evil race, which I don't even know what that means because it's sort of like a, a I don't even know what an evil race would be. I mean, I guess you could say <laughs> they're Americans, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I mean, more, more to the point, I think that the concept of D and D evil is very sort of cartoonish. Where, you know, evil is, oh, I'll I'll stab you in the back for for anything. It's a very actually, you know what? It's a very libertarian idea. Right. <laughs> I'll stab you in the back for my own benefit. Right. Sure. Um, but then how do you even build a society? You know, th- there might be one orc uh, <laughs> left in the in the village after all that, you know, uh, th- the strongest one.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe 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 if you continue to call the orcs and kill the most aggressive ones, eventually you'll have a race you can deal with is is the the obvious end result of this kind of horrible crap.
1: Can can you can you hear me grimacing through the Uh (laughs) bike? Yeah. But, you know,
0: that's what they're talking about. I mean, like the like the the tie into eugenics is just obvious.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the the, so, you know, that's that's a, a larger conversation. Uh, and granted, this is a product of its time. It's nineteen eighty five you know it's probably yep. trying to do the like orcs that aren't really orcs type of thing, right? Yep. Um,
0: and it's not like the book isn't blindly xenophobic. there are definitely there are definitely examples of the other that are embraced and some very good ones
1: mhm you're right, right. Yep. so I mean uh, to be fair, it, yeah, to your point, like the the gnomes are a good example Uh yep. Uh, where the gnomes are basically displaced by the uh, the empire, in, and and they're sort of like a second class citizens in the the capital city of Bell. Um, so you do get like a, a sort of a an, a non human race that is presented sympathetically.
0: Uh, well, there, there's two dragons.
1: Uh, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Uh, but, spoiler <laughs> what in a in a book called dragon's bane there's a dragon in it get out what of a town. twist <laughs> get out of town what are you talking about
0: yeah so um eventually they end up encountering you know the 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 the, the civilized lands if you will and they immediately start encountering uh zyrene who is the queen's the king's mistress And um, is definitely making a big play to sleep with Gareth. And you discover that Gareth's blind hatred of Jen uh, is based upon the fact that the king's mistress is a mage and is using her powers like mad to manipulate things and control people's minds and try and sleep with whoever she wants. Like, she's just fucking horrible. And she's infinitely more powerful than Jen. So Jen has this wonderful additional reason to hate her. And she's uh, she's got the maturity of a of a of a of, a, of, a, of a, a high school kid at the lunch table with a bad attitude.
1: Yeah, it, it she she does come across as very much like. Sort of like Heathers, right? Uh, sort of like yes. a high school, high school clique uh, type of thing where all the courtiers are sort of tittering and laugh at all our jokes and stuff like that. He-
0: Heathers meets the craft.
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of, of, eventually there's, there's an inversion uh, where it turns out that the villain of the piece is not the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dragon is Zyrene the 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 mage and uh basically the 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 dragon got tricked by her magic into guarding the gnome's old fortress and he's unable to leave because of her power and there has to be sort of a realignment of teams where where uh where jen and john have to fight alongside the dragon to take out the other mage
1: the cool name Morkaleb the Black.
0: Yes, it's such a good name, especially when you realize that that uh, the dragons darken as they age.
1: Mm, true,
0: and so like like this this one's the big daddy, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and can can I just digress briefly because uh, these dragons, as uh, Hambley describes them, uh, come across as not quite entirely reptilian they're sort of like a weird mishmash because they have like weird, uh, I think she even uses like a, like feelers, like a crawfish, like the heads all sort of weird. Um, it, it's sinuous. Uh, it's got wings. So it's got certain aspects that we would normally, you know, uh, attribute to a dragon, but like, it, it just looks very alien, like the descriptions. Uh, so it, it, it is very, uh, sort of like off-putting once you, once you read the description, you go like Ugh, what's that Mhm <laughs> but um it, it is sort of interesting how the realignment occurs because um I forget what was it that they they go into the because there's this big uh part of the 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 reason that they end up uh realigning and uh sort of allying uh, however temporarily with with Morcaleb is because uh there's a at first they're going down there to kill Morcaleb. Uh John gives it his best and then gets poisoned and then Zyrene shows up to sort of finish them all off. Uh like John, Jenny and Gareth uh, because she she wants to keep the dragon where it is and just continue to uh, I guess, have that pressure available. Yeah. Am I, am I misreading altered- that?
0: Well, the, the, uh, like she wants one of two things. She either wants the situation to remain static or, or she wants the dragon dead and the other heroes dead so she can take control of the, the gnomes' territory, get the gold mines and all that. Like she'd be perfectly happy if everybody who on this mission, villains and heroes, died and she could just step into the void, with the exception of Gareth, who she wants to control.
1: Right, right. And, and um, although um, she wants him only because he could uh, possibly produce an heir.
0: Uh, yes because because it it turns out he's the go ahead
1: (laughs) no i was just gonna say that by this time so one of the things that is made clear by this point is the fact that cyrene because she is so she basically mind controls people um and the the sort of the side effect of that mind control is the fact that uh it sort of hollows out the actual personality so the king, by this point, uh, Gareth's dad, is is sort of just gone. He's not really. It, it's sort of like having uh, a king that's got dementia at this point. Um, so she is actually really sort of poking and prodding him in the right directions because he does not remember stuff minute to minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, she's, she's, she's the power behind the throne at this point, a hundred percent. But I mean, to continue her power, like as the King's mistress, all of her power extends from the King. But if mm-hmm. she is the, if she is the, the, uh, the mother of the heir, what, if something happens to the King, she can maintain her power.
1: Right. 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 I mean, uh, granted that is also a, a little bit of a, um, isn't that what is it the uh the dragon lady uh what is the name of that uh the the empress dowager in china that's sort of like a stereotype as well like the yes i'm not saying that that doesn't exist i'm just saying that it's sort of like one of those uh one of those stereotypes that has to be used with care i do think that hambly navigates that well enough um, yeah
0: especially because there's such a there's such a strong female character front and st- center like jen jen Waynest is terrifying
1: yes yes and and more so because uh like initially she is pretty good uh and as you say she she feels that she is not good enough uh partly mm-hmm. because you know she's out in the hinterlands uh there's not a lot of um reading materials left in, you know, whatever's left of the Northlands. And, um, and then uh, she, she's comparing herself to, to Zyrine, who is, you know, later revealed to have basically become like a host for something, something awful. <laughs> that is. Yeah, using like her.
0: she, she's like a uh, Zyrene is like a, uh, there, there's an artifact of power. The, in the uh in the in the the gnomes uh, uh, fortress and she's become a leech on that and mm. so like she can draw incredible amounts of power and do all these things that are freaking amazing that make it her the comparison to her and Jen ridiculous because Jen has no access to infinite artifacts power right right so yeah and and the, the, like eventually Jen does uh do, well, do, does find a way to in, increase her power exponentially. She basically uh, her involvement with the dragon sort of changes her and her magic to the point where I like, I don't know how much I want to spoil this, man, because it's such a good book. I really want you guys to read it. Yeah, because I want,
1: it was, I want it was, you to read everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it was an entertaining book. And uh, I, I also less than 400 pages. Uh, a plus in my book as well. So yes. <laughs> uh, and, and a brisk read. I mean, it doesn't feel like I, I wouldn't call Hambly a great stylist in like the prose. Uh, but I did find the characterization to be like, uh, very well, you know, uh, well established. It's, it's, she's very deft at it, uh, quickly manages to give you enough so that you, the characters feel familiar. Uh, you know, initially, which makes it really surprising when they do something unexpected because you think that you know them.
0: Right. Right. I would like to, I can do it now or I could do it later. I'd like to talk a little bit about Hambly and her other works, if that's okay.
1: That's fine by me.
0: Okay. Should I do that now?
1: Um, we could do that. I also wanted to ask you, so- Cause this is my first time reading this. When did you like, what's your story with the, with like dragon's bane and Hambley's work?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, normally I'm able to say in these situations, oh yeah, I was reading these books when they first came out. And it is not true in this case. Um, I was I was in college, and I went up to the big city, Minneapolis, to hang out at a friend who was a girl's boyfriend's house. And there was a party there. I got drunk. Um, I passed out, missed my ride. And when I woke up in the morning basically too sick to move, there was a bookshelf next to me. And that bookshelf had about uh, – 30 Christian novels, some repair manuals, and a Barbara Hambly book called The Time of the Dark.
1: <laughs> and I, I'm so g- I'm going to guess uh, I'm going to guess that you grabbed the Hambly book.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I loved it. Like sitting there in my bed of pain, I read the damn thing twice that morning. And um, immediately I started the, combing the shelves for all of her stuff and became a became a super fan.
1: So the time of the dark sounds familiar. This was like a, was this like a mod? Like this this is more or less like a, uh, like a urban fantasy type of thing, right? Yeah. The, the, what the
0: time. Yeah. It's the idea behind the time of the dark is there's a few characters from our earth or our time, or at least the time of when they were written like 1982 to 87 and a wizard from another world who that is facing an apocalypse. Uh, is able to cross between the worlds. And and a couple of people ended up getting drawn over there. And it's almost like a murder mystery. And the victim is civilization who killed civilization. And they, they sort of have to piece together the puzzle of the enemy and where it came from and why, and what's going on. And they, you know, eventually like, do they fix it?
1: Right. Okay. All right. I mean, and this was uh, also like eighties ish, right? <laughs>
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I think like wh- when you're dealing with her straight fantasy, her straight fan, I her her how do I say that the the fantasy works. I'll just say it that way. It as I I'm, I'm not talking about sexuality in any way except accidentally. <laughs> um those books primarily take place between like 80 and 92 though she did continue writing and the the uh, the other the stuff she continued writing i i still very enjoy i think that was that was her fantasy moment that's when everybody really knew her stuff um she's more famous uh in generally for a series called the benjamin january series and that crap is fascinating hmm. uh, okay. yeah well uh they are murder mysteries that take place in new orleans uh, during the antebellum period And the main character is a a Paris-educated African-American man named Benjamin January. And so Benjamin January is a a Sherlock Holmes with a good personality. And so he'll go into a situation and he'll figure out what's going on. And he'll say, uh, you know, okay, based upon this and this and this, it's clearly – Landowner Jones, that was killing these children, and here's the proof. And then everybody at the dinner party looks at him and it's like, why isn't that man serving coffee? <laughs> So like in addition to the solving of the crime, Benjamin January has to figure out how to make the, the solution not come from him or how – who he can talk to who will actually listen to him and that sort of thing. Like there's another layer because all, all Sherlock Holmes has to do is announce the damn thing and it's over. For, for January, solving the bit, the murder or whatever is actually the beginning.
1: Mm, gotcha.
0: Yeah. And so, so those are bestsellers and I think she wrote like nearly 20 of them. Wow. Yeah. One came out in 2020, in fact.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, Those sound really interesting. I I have to admit. Um, so, uh, I I was just, Looking at looking at the uh, time of the dark one, because <laughs> it reminded—if uh, I can circle back to that real quick—because it yeah. reminded me of like the, I think that there was like a plenty like a, a bunch of books that were like that, and we we covered like in one of the crap books episode, like the the Guardians of the Flame, the Joel Rosenberg uh, series of books which uh, has like that same idea of like you know like someone crosses over from another fantastical reality and you know blah blah um or or in, in the guardians of the flame one it's the other way around it's it's basically the the dungeons and dragons cartoon uh, except a little bit more realistic
0: um, awesome Hey, do yourself a favor and do a Google image search for the time of the dark and take a look at the original cover, which is one of the more badass covers I've ever seen.
1: Oh, you, you mean, got... you're you talking about the, the wizard that's standing there with like a bunch of chips and, and a beer can?
0: Yes, yes. It's, it's so wonderful. You've got like Gandalf the Grey with like a, a, a beer overflowing in his hand. And it clearly was opened by like a church key, like the old style <laughs> beer cans. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it, it is it is sort of funny. And he's holding a staff too. Like uh, yeah. you know, uh it is it is sort of funny to to see that type of artwork. Uh, I'll I'll say that. Um but yeah, uh so I guess we can go into uh like well you, you were starting in on some of the other works that Hambley's done. Uh, oh yeah. So why don't we continue some of that? Because that sounds interesting. I mean it it's okay. It's always fascinating to me because I I have yet to really, uh, maybe it's just a, a, a fault that I have, but I, I just cannot really get how you just churn out novel after novel. I can barely finish short stories these days. So.
0: Right. Right. Well, um, I want, you'll, you'll start to notice a pattern here. Now, like, Bear in mind the 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 uh dragons bane, the, the the two primary characters are uh an extremely cold-blooded female mage and a a a genius bubbly swordsman who's like the greatest warrior alive. <laughs> All right, so that's, that's, that's what we have in Dragons, in Dragon Spain. In the Darwath trilogy, what you have is, in Golden Glorian, um, a wizard who is the greatest swordsman alive and the greatest mage alive, and uh, uh, Jill, who is from our world and the most cold-blooded warrior ever to pick up steel. Like very quickly, like she's a scholar. Like one of the things, her value in in that world is that she she understands anthropology. And she's like, well, if you look at this from an aerial photography perspective, you can see where the where the foundations of the original city were, and that sort of thing. Like 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 she brings more than just a weapon, but just like there's the the only heart this woman has is her her. 100% devoted love for the wizard. Ever, like she'd cut anybody else's face off and and you know then go to lunch. Um <laughs> then we have oh, Sunwolf and Starhawk. These the this series is about a um a mercenary captain and his lieutenant. And Sunwolf is just sort of like this talented fun guy who just sort of happens to be uh, a a great military tactician who has his own mercenary company and Starhawk who used to be a nun who fell in love with him from a distance mastered weapons and will follow him to the ends of the earth and then Sunwolf develops magic powers and so they both abandon the mercenary life and and she sticks with him yeah. um Let's see. The Windrose Chronicles are about a computer programmer in in uh, our our world, uh, a, a woman, Joanna, who falls in love with a daffy and crazy genius wizard from another realm who's the greatest swordsman of his age. And uh, she is she is as cold as a viper Um <laughs> So, so, one of the things I'm saying here is while I love these stories, like with a certain amount of creative editing, most of her main characters could be like uh, plotted over each other. Like, there is, there is a series of relationships that she is very interested in. And I often wonder what these relationships have to do with her own life.
1: I can see that. Yeah. I it, it sounds like it's a it's a recurring theme. Now and, and this is interesting because I do find it um sort of fascinating, uh, given that tastes now or at least let me let me rephrase that. Very vocal people that uh are that are part of like the fandom don't want to see like uh characters that are that are nasty or uh, unlikable, right? Likeability is a big thing. And from just this cursory uh, description of several of her books, like not only does she have unlikable characters, but unlikable characters that are women, which is sort of something that would uh, probably, you know, get her uh, some interesting commentary nowadays. Uh-huh. Yes,
0: and let's be clear: women who could beat your ass. I mean, like, like, like the women in her novels are physical threats, mm. as as well as being very intelligent. And and the the men who are of of equal physical prowess tend to be nuts. Like my favorite is Antrig Windrose in the. Um, in the Silent Mage ser- series, because like he'll sit there and like he'll be talking to people and he'll on the fly reinvent calculus, and then he'll go, you know, I've been looking at things and I believe if you take rubbings of the backs of turtles, you can you can put them together and there's a they they explain all the knowledge of the universe, but I don't understand the language. Like he's nuts, he's absolutely daffy, but he's also like. <laughs> like everybody's only hope like he's the only one who can figure out what's going on his 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 power is unmatched and oh one more thing that fits through all this is it okay that I'm ranting I feel like I'm gushing no go 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 for it okay one of the things that happens repeatedly with with uh people with magic power is a lot of people try and develop it by like hiding it under a bushel like if I hide in a room and do nothing but study I'll eventually become a great power right yeah. well all of her magic realms have a a, a central series of rules that they don't know. And in fact, these, these books, they, they appear to take place in the same multiverse. Okay. Like there's, there's evidence in one series of books that the other, that the other characters exist. Um, hmm. And um, what seems to be happening and it's rarely called out, but every, every, like, I, look, I, I've got a, I've got a PhD in Hamley studies. I'm sorry. I'm really into this. <laughs> But but there's a principle of sacrifice going on which is the more you give up the more powerful your magic is. So, I mean, if you are are driven from your home, if you lose your sanity, if your family is killed, if you step in front of a train to save someone else, all of these things increase the overall prowess of your magic. Selfish people can't be powerful mages unless they have some way to cheat. And so, like, Antrig Windrose, who is among my favorite, has given up his sanity. And he's... He for like a good twenty years of his life was uh, trapped by the witchfinders and had like sigils uh, like attached to him with hot iron that burned in the presence of magic, and so he was basically on fire. And so when he finally got out of that, his his magic level was like god plus. Like never mind the loaves and the fishes. The problem is you know he's a babbling lunatic.
1: Okay, I mean, yeah, it, uh, so, so uh, it's an interesting rule, but also one that's max of, you know, suffering artist type of uh, brain, you know, like, oh, yes. you have to suffer for your art, which is, you know, not exactly the best uh, message to have out there. But again, yeah. these are, these are books. I, I get it. I, I don't it has f- a
0: real God in the machine problem, too. I mean, you can sort of like, just by hearing that, you know what the arc of the stories are going to be like, things get worse and worse until everybody's genuinely fucked. And Hey, guess what? Guess how powerful your mage is now? (laughs) Like once they've had everything taken away, they're a neutron bomb.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, so when you were talking about going mad, uh, to increase your power, um, it it reminded me of a sequence in uh and, and I I th- you'd mentioned, right? You'd you'd read uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it, it just reminded me. Yes. Yeah, it just reminded me of that entire section where he's trying to figure out how fairy magic works. And uh and he he sort of like has to distill the essence of madness from this uh this sort of crazy cat lady uh like literally she's a crazy cat lady you remember that <laughs> yes <laughs> it's, it's yes. such a charming <laughs> when you say it that way it sounds awful but it's it is such a charming sequence and uh it's it's also really funny because he's like oh wait did did i just talk like so and so who's just like a uh like a a, a social social butterfly type of person <laughs> and he's just like babbling like he's some sort of like one of the other characters um it just brought brought that to mind uh is all um we should probably visit uh jonathan and mr norrell at some point
0: oh i think that'd be a hoot
1: i i i love that book so much i really do yeah. um but anyway uh going back to the uh the class at hand the barbara, barbara yes. hambley 401
0: Yes. Okay. So, um, she is also, uh, she had a, she has a series of vampire novels. I think there was like eight in the series, uh, where the, the, ag- again, we have the married pair where the, the husband is an international super spy working for the British cr- crown and the wife is a, uh, God, what would you call her? Well, she's a, she's a scientist and this is in victorian times and they are interacting with vampires
1: okay
0: and um it it might sh- it might shock you to know that the the female character in this is
1: um cold-blooded
0: well uh, has Yes, yes, has a great deal of control over her emotions. <laughs> and it's fine, but but yeah, I mean it's it's a very it's a very interesting set of vampire novels in that they try very hard if not to find a scientific basis for for the vampire, they try and at least apply science to it. Like uh, you know, what would, what would silver nitrate do? Uh, you know, like what about, what about silver alloys or, you know, like, uh, what, what, is there a wood allergy? What's going on there? So like some of the things that people playfully do with the vampire to try and figure out what's going on there, she, she very expressly explored in these novels and does a pretty fine job. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it, it sounds, it's, I mean, all of these sound really great. (laughs) Like, honestly, I I could pick up and if they're all of more or less that same length, uh, I I feel like uh, they're they're very uh, attractive to me because basically, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to read like twelve hundred. Pages, okay. Oh.
0: Well, man, seriously, like uh, her, the the main body of her work you can just crank through. Yeah. Like any one of these books is an afternoon, and some of them are lovely. Like that whole the the whole Silicon Mage series, I or I guess they call them the Windrose Chronicles, is they're so freaking funny, dude. And, and uh, you know, like, like I, I cheer for the heroes. It, it's that's, that's the thing. Like doing the analysis that we're doing right now, this is probably the first time I ever have ever done this because anytime I talk about these books, I largely just say things like badass, you know, which <laughs> for, for the purposes of this podcast isn't very helpful. But like like if you're just looking for something that's a lot of fun to read in this zone – this stuff is it. I mean, I, it's very accessible.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I feel like there's a lot of that to be found in like a lot of these back catalogs of, you know, like these authors that are still somewhat around still sort of churning out stuff, but they've just fallen out of the spotlight. Um, Yes. And, and uh, you know, you're bringing to mind like, um, and these are not slim books, but like, um, uh, Catherine Kurtz, like the, all the Durrini books, uh, she's still around, and those books I remember reading them, and they were like intricate, like they were like Game of Thrones type of <laughs> intricacies of politics and sort of power plays and stuff like that. And it, it's always interesting to sort of you know hear people go like, well, you know, women don't write science fiction or they're they're not around, like uh, like we were recently talking about like uh, Weenie. Uh, you know, weenie neo-Nazi Theodore Beale, all AKA Fox day, uh, talking about how women, you know, don't really contribute much to fiction and blah, blah. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? (laughs) Like, I've probably read more women that are not just Ursula K. Le Guin and Octavia Butler. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, uh, you know, there's a lot of women who've been writing books and Hambley's. you know, like I remember seeing Hambley. I just didn't always have the money or, you know, it was always like a little risk averse because I was like, oh, that cover looks cool. Like I remember seeing the um, the the Time of the Dark one and thinking, oh, cool. A wizard like in a in a regular house holding a beer and there's chips at his feet. What? Oh. That's cool looking. just.
0: The, I, that's that's just such a lovely series too. It really pays off. I the thing is that there's there's so much out there that's good. Like Hamley is is a personal fave. But if we were trying to rank must reads. I don't consider her a must read. I just consider her like fucking great, mm-hmm. you know, which is a different list entirely. Cause like, there's a lot of people in the must read, like, uh, you mentioned, oh, Octavia Butler, like she is top tier and anybody who doesn't think that, I mean, I don't have a lot in common with, in terms of, of ranking books because it just seems so clear to me, but like, I, I wouldn't bring one of her books on vacation.
1: Yeah, I mean it. it, You know, Octavia Butler was a heavy read. Like any one of her books was a heavy read. Um, Yeah, which isn't to be disparaging, but sometimes you know, like to be honest with you, you know, sometimes you don't want to eat a a full you know meal of pot roast. You just want to have some chips. Yeah,
0: yeah. Usually it's chips for me, frankly. (laughs) Uh, So I this doesn't have a lot to do with anything, but I wanted to to call it out. Uh, do you know who George Alec Effinger is?
1: I do. Uh, I do remember reading, uh, what is it? When gravity fails.
0: Yes. And yes. The, the a fire in the sun.
1: I, I, that's the one I, I kept on like dithering over getting the next one. And I don't think I ever got it. Cause, uh, I couldn't find it anywhere. um, but I'd be willing to reread uh When Gravity Fails and see if I can get through the the other one as well. I don't well, know how soon do you know, what,
0: happen. <laughs> do you know what I'm about to say?
1: Uh no, I do not. They were married. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh I mean I, I think I, I don't really know and I don't want to go too deep into it because like talking about writers' personal lives unless they're on the show with us is a little weird. But like they 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 you know, they spent a lot of time together. She actually moved to New Orleans to to be with him. She's back in California now, you know, after his death. But like that time period was the same time period where she started writing those Benjamin January books.
1: That's I mean that I mean that definitely sounds like something that our entire Nola contingent could uh, dig into right away.
0: Yes, <laughs> you hear that, guys? We're throwing you a bone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, yeah, I I I just find it really fascinating because the, these are sort of like these um, these authors who, as far as I can tell, I I don't know whether Hambly won any big awards. I think she was a uh, Dragon's Mane was a Locus Award nominee in eighty six and eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: she got a lot of nominations, but I mean, she she was always and also ran.
1: Yeah, like always a bridesmaid, never a bride type of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I I think it's I think it's pretty unfair. I mean, but of course, I would think that. Right after all I've said today.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, eighty six. I don't know off the top of my head who might have been like uh, in in other like competing in other areas. But, um but yeah, I mean, like the eighties was like this weird moment where like, there was a lot of stuff going on and there was a lot of competition, you know? So I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, also like, I'm pretty sure that she's not uh, exactly a hundred percent hurting because she's still cranking out books from what I'm, hearing from you
0: right yes yes yeah, she she's she's an active writer i think uh her primary focus are those benjamin january mysteries because like they they sell like gangbusters but i mean it, like she she'll she puts out um other, other fiction like yeah a lot of the her main series like the the dragon's bane she'll put out uh ebook novellas that you can pick up on amazon or whatever and I've certainly bought all of those, man,
1: <laughs> well, I can imagine yeah.
0: yeah, uh, I guess the other thing I should mention, and this is another thing you find very commonly in the the writers of the eighties and nineties is like she's she's done a fair amount of um of Uh, tie-ins like she she's written she's written Star Wars novels she's written Star Trek novels Um, she did she has a lot of television credits like uh, she wrote for She-Ra Princess of Power she wrote for Mask I I just I love saying that because only saying it is what makes me remember Mask at all (laughs) but yeah like she she did some writing for 80s cartoons and stuff yeah
1: I see that uh she wrote for the TV uh series Beauty and the Beast. Uh if I'm remembering. yep, yep. Uh a good old George R.R. Martin was uh involved in that as well.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I I wonder if they ever hung out. Um I wouldn't That's think. probably a silly thing to say. Yeah, I don't. Know. Um
1: <laughs> maybe, who knows? Uh or yeah. I you know, I I have no clue. I mean, anyway, um I guess what I'm saying is that it, it is sort of interesting to see. Uh, and, and it looks like she's actively, like you said, she's an active uh, writer. Uh, she has not gone like the, the, the teaching route. Um, yeah. I think
0: she was a teacher became a writer.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So like went the other way. And I, I, w- I would respect not going back. I know she's a black belt martial artist though. I, I suspect, uh, She's she's probably not practicing that too intently at this point.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, uh, but that might actually factor into like how uh, like her female characters are, are often, um, you know, sort of badass physically as well as, you know, whatever else, whatever other talents they may have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like she, 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 she strikes me as somebody who's, who's pretty comfortable, like. I don't know how to say it, with her own physicality, like the idea that a woman can kick ass is something that she she believes to her bones. And it's reflected in her characters in a way that, like, I really responded to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this, her writing was was water in the desert when you're reading a bunch of other fantasy novels and you're you're sick of women with no agency. Like, even without knowing, like, that terminology, I wouldn't I it it was something that that wasn't fun after a while. Right. Was having having major characters wander around who are useless blobs. And like she no, none of her characters are useless blobs unless it's to make a point.
1: Right, right. I mean and and I do feel like uh that's uh it's interesting because that that was something that uh she came about it seems to me on her own. But you know, that also has now become like a a bit of a a stereotype in and of itself. Like a it's like a, a weird trope that is now uh perhaps overused, like the 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 woman who is now physically uh a badass, right? And uh I I definitely can understand like this is of its time, uh and before, you know, like uh people like Joss Whedon. Just ran that one into the ground um because the you know now the arguments are that you know like okay that's cool, but you can also have like uh you know other women characters d- you know sort of displaying or performing you know their their femininity and or, or their uh, how they are as a woman in different ways uh so you know uh, we're I'm not even sure how to say it without sounding offensive, so <laughs> I'm not going to try. I'm just going to say that you, you don't have to have women that are just badasses that kick ass. Uh, you can have different women, you know, and and more of them. Um, but absolutely. I, but you know, the the thing here is that Hambly is definitely you know doing it uh, on purpose, which is good, and uh, she had an idea of what she wanted to do with it, and that's great. And she's continuing writing, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish her a long and happy life of writing. Cause I, I mean, like, uh, Oh, I don't know why Octavia Butler keeps coming back, but like a lot, there are books of hers that I consider to be like, uh, milestones of change in my life. Like she was a big deal on that level. Mm-hmm. And Hamley has given me regular, enjoyable reads. And in some ways, I don't know, which is more important because like the, That's those moments of being able to, to just sort of read and connect and escape really matter to me. And like, Hey, I can't think of a book where she hasn't done that
1: for me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, you know, going back to like, you know, sometimes you want a full meal and sometimes you want uh, chips uh, to, to further complicate or, or, or confuse that metaphor. You know, it's it's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever sat sat down and been like, uh, do I want to watch Schindler's List again? Or do I want to watch like some shitty sitcom for thirty minutes, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean like let let's let's watch the Lego movie. Come on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. And if there's there's time for both. Um I don't know that uh I, I I am one of these people that uh has been, you know, have have had someone that Somewhat knows me. Turn around as as I'm like pointing out flaws in a story or a a movie, and be like, "Do you ever turn your brain off?" (laughs) Yeah. And my my answer is generally not really.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean not. I've uh, when when put down for surgery or something, I suppose. But otherwise, it's
1: when when I'm under anesthesia, yeah.
0: yeah exactly Uh, otherwise it's it's just going folks
1: yeah uh, um i can't help it um but yeah i mean the the thing here is even i who has been told that you know sometimes you just don't want to you know you don't want to you're not really wanting to watch a serbian film you know maybe you just want to see something else
0: right right and i mean i guess i guess what i'm saying is um for me, Hambly, is that something else? And if she's new to you, I mean, finding a new good thing is rare, guys. Just saying. Yep. Most new things we find these days are shit.
1: Well, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we've talked about this before, and I, I won't belabor the point, but I think a lot of the new things that we're getting now are just, you know, very shiny products. Uh, they're not really and, and I'm not saying that Dragon's Bane isn't you know sort of like a product uh, it's it's simply something that an author actually made before like consolidation of brands and all that shit happened so that you know you you can actually have an unlikable or a somewhat question a, a woman of somewhat questionable morality uh, be the the, uh, the main character in a, in a book you know yeah,
0: well, I mean, it's sort of the difference between like the the guys in Mad Men designing uh, an advertising campaign, and and a a a a uh, a metrics based focus group doing it today. You know what I mean? It's like the 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 writing of a past. I mean this this was somebody this was somebody doing it because she thought it would be badass. And
1: <laughs> Can you just give me you just gave me an image of like Don Draper at his worst, just like okay we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take your idea Don and we're gonna feed it into this algorithm. Oh, too bad Don, it didn't really like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. We're we're going with the album and the chipmunks model or whatever. Yeah, but I mean like like these days either either the publishing company is is looking for and generating the specific things that they think are are going to get the most bang in a very calculated way or the author has to trim sail to look for those currents and I mean it it's just the world we're in man but I I do I do like the idea that somebody's like I want to write a book about a goddamn mummy and they do it.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean uh, it 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 you know I, I I yeah I I can't really fault that. Um you know I I suppose that I, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, you're the one with the doctorate in Hambly studies, uh, Pete. You have anything <laughs> I, else? I
0: think <laughs> I, I think it, there's no reason to, to to belabor the point. I mean, I've asked them to read the books. We've we've talked about a book and covered a lot of ground. So yeah, let let's let's end it there, guys. I, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I hope you uh, I hope you pick up one of her books. Dragon's Banes is a, as good a start as any. Um, Anything else we want to talk about, dude?
1: Thus endeth the lesson. You have homework, motherfuckers.
0: (laughs) Take care, everybody.